it's Faith FM. It is time for the breakfast show. I hope you are having a wonderful morning. I hope you are having some sort of delicious breakfast. You're here in the studio this morning with Mon and Blair filling in for Blake and Lawson. Blair, how are you? Very well, thanks. How are you, Mon? Blair, what is it now? I think it's the fourth morning in a row that you've been a disappointment. <laughs> Well, you weren't coming Just today. You, know, you weren't puppies. supposed to be coming, so I wasn't it's true. prepared. It's true. Bless your heart. I wasn't supposed to be here. It was definitely a last-minute thing. Paul Lawson's still up in our Byron Bray celebrating his sister's wedding. Isn't that lovely? It is. I think he's singing um, some ballad or something. So he has to play and sing at the same time. So bless his heart. Uh, but he will be back next week. Uh, I promise that time. So, yeah, and unlike Blair's promises of bringing puppies, oh. my promises hold true. No, hey, Blair, what are you grateful for this morning? Oh, look, uh, yesterday I had a scare with my motorbike when I was riding oh, to radio. No. And it broke down oh. on the side of the road. It made me slightly late to radio, but I was really worried that it was going to be an irreparable issue or mm-hmm. an expensive issue. And it's just fixed itself. <laughs> so I don't know what Those happens. are the best problems, the ones that fix themselves. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a mini miracle getting here yesterday. But um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm grateful for not having to spend a lot of money on repairs. What kind of bike have you got? It's a Harley Sportster 22 um, Sportster S, yeah, 1250 CC. Okay. I'm going to have to Google what that is. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it, does it look like one of those Triumph motorcycles? I really like the yeah, Triumph Yeah, kind motorcycles. of. It's, it's yeah, got cool. big tires and um, yeah, nice. yeah, pretty mean looking. Look, I'm not a big fan of running around two wheels. It makes me feel unsafe. But I did a few years ago see the um, the advertisement campaign that Triumph put out where they had a bunch of people ride all the way from London around to, I think, Beijing. Yes. In one get- oh, man, that made me want to buy a motorcycle <laughs> and just hit the road. Hey, tell us what you're grateful for. 0491064669. This morning, I think I'm grateful for this bottle in front of me. Is this for me? Is this like a bottle of grape juice? Oh, it's not for me. I'm getting the head shake. I'm not grateful for this. Never mind. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Hey, Blair. Yo. Is your brain switched on? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to do a quiz. <laughs> Let me just make sure I don't pick one that we've done before. Yeah, don't do, don't do another repeat of yesterday. Yeah, no, that was embarrassing. Okay, how about a what number am I? Did we Have we done a what number am I quiz lately? Not to my knowledge. Okay, thank goodness. Okay, here we go, here we go. This is this morning's quiz. Uh, oh, today's the last day, isn't it? Because it's Friday. Oh, we're going to do a prize draw later today, Blair. How exciting. Okay, try and get this quiz right today, ladies and gentlemen, because if you do, you will be in with your final chance to win our prizes. I will tell you about the prizes in a second. It's a what number am I quiz. The first one goes like this. The chapter in Acts that records Peter's miraculous escape from prison with the help of an angel. Oh, nice. Do you know what it is? Yeah. Oh, man, you're, you're, you're on this, Blair. <laughs> I feel like you might rival Lyle. Lyle almost never didn't know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> he was always on top of it. Hey, if you get the answer right this morning, you will be in the... Uh, you get your name in the hat for the, uh, the wheel spin later today where you could get um, two books... A gift set here. One of them is Thoughts on the Mount of Blessing by E.G. White. And the other one is A Thoughtful Hour, Tracing the Final Footsteps of Jesus by Jerry D. Thomas. So really great focus on the uh, the life of Christ um, and what he taught. Uh, his, his, great, his most famous sermon, I suppose you could say. And also the uh, the final footsteps where he um, he died for our sins, and just contemplating that is definitely something that will change your life. Uh, so yeah, great gift set. 
Get it for yourself. Get it as a gift. Get it as a witnessing tool. Mother's Day is coming up. Do you know what? It's really not that far. We're already like over a third of the way through the year, aren't we? We are. We're, we're yeah. charging. It's only 240 days till Christmas. Oof. Yeah. That's a big time out to start <laughs> yeah. counting. Yeah. I Probably start, a bit too early. <laughs> I start counting out when it's 365 <laughs> days out from Christmas. <laughs> I have an app on my phone. Anyway, um, I'm. By the way, just by the way, that bottle of uh, that bottle of grape juice uh, that wasn't for me. That was sitting right where my seat was. It turns out it's for Lawson. Um, but DJ Shell did bring in another one for me, so now I am I am grateful for having some um, sparkling natural dark grape juice, courtesy of Petriti, non-alcoholic. Do you know what I'm going to do with that, Blair? Probably drink it. I'm guessing. No. No, that's way too obvious. Why would I ask You're going to you give this? it away as a gift. No, no. I'm going to turn it into jelly for a trifle. Okay, <laughs> all right. I've got it all planned out. All <laughs> I'm right. making a, a black forest trifle. So I need, um, I'm need. i going to have two different jelly layers. I'm going to have like a chocolate layer on the bottom. You use agar agar and then like just cocoa powder so it's vegan. And then I'm going to have another jelly layer on top that's going to be Look like at a you, you We interviewed Jeremy Dixon from uh, I know. Revive I Cafe and the, te- the cookbooks yesterday. And you're trying to rival uh, his recipes here. Well, I think the problem is that I didn't have breakfast before I came in this morning. <laughs> i got to say, I think... Um, uh, yeah, that jelly recipe I'm jelly. not so sure about. Yeah, I, but, but the thing is, um, sparkling will go flat, right? So if you, because I'm gonna, you have to boil it on the on the stove for a little while with the agar agar to cook the agar, and then the bubbles. I, I'm gonna say, I imagine they'll disappear. Usually, when you cook anything with bubbles, they disappear. Because I like making lemonade scones, and so I know that the lemonade bubbles disappear then. Um, so yeah, so I. I'm going to do like a cherry juice layer, but I know I don't have enough cherry juice because it's just a leftover juice from the jar of cherry. So this this little grape juice here will actually help sweeten it and bulk out my cherry layer. So, hey, if you want to try some of my Black, trif- Black Forest Trifle, come to Raymond Terrace Mission Church tomorrow for Sabbath. So, yeah, a little shout-out right there. 10 o'clock start for church and lunch is at 12.45. We, w- we won't be mad if you just come for lunch, but we'll definitely love you more if you come for church too. <laughs> hey, I've got some really great news. This is oh, – I'm absolutely loving this morning's news, Blake. Oh, yeah. Tell Blake – Blake Sorry, again. Blake again. Oh, wow. I need a Blake jar. Oh, wow. Yeah. Feel free to call me Emma or something. Um, no. <laughs> Wait, is that your wife's name? That is. That's yes, not yes. what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, forgot this is that. so good. Anyway. <laughs> so this morning's news is really great because um, I feel like uh, people often use genetics as excuses. Um, so do you ever read Shakespeare, Blair? Oh, I mean, in high school you did. Yeah, that's when I stopped as well. So Shakespeare once wrote this uh, famous line, the fault, dear Brutus, lies not in our stars but in ourselves. And this is 100% true um, for genetics, it's turning out. So it turns out physical activity and a sedentary lifestyle have greater impact on our lifespan than our genes. And this is like it's actually really good news because so many of us, I think, um, you know, every time something goes wrong, we sort of blame uh, bad genes. Nothing I can do about it. Yeah, right. Know, yeah. We sort of use it for like any combination or number of health disruptions. Um, but evidence is beginning to show that, you know, as Shakespeare wrote, the fault is in ourselves, not just in our genetics, um, which, you know, it does place a blame on our feet, but it also places a control on our hands. That's right. It, it gives us more agency to control, that's right. you know, how our own futures. A hundred percent. That's awesome. We can write that ourselves. So, so which is just fabulous because we're not helpless in the face of our genes. Genes, I, I've heard it described this way. I think Lyle described it to me this way, and I think it's a really great way of putting it, is that genetics is a loaded gun. 
but it's up to you whether you're going to pull the trigger with, yes. your, with your lifestyle choices. So they were studying um, apparently about 6,000 uh, older women in particular that were separated into uh, three groups um, relative to what was termed the genetic risk factor or GRS, so genetic risk factor, uh, which was measured um, by a small section of single nucleoid polymorphoses, which are known to affect longevity. I should not have attempted to pronounce that this early in the morning. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so they they and they they also tested um, for stuff like uh, uh, cognitive decline, um, Alzheimer's, um, coronary heart uh, disease, um, and then and then looked at the relationship between physical activity and uh, and and what they would people people would call bad genes. Like, oh, I've got bad genes. It runs in my family, and discovered that what really runs in the family is bad habits. So often what is modeled to them by their parents, the, you know, the, the offspring then pick up and create as their own lifestyle. And that's what's bringing about the same disease that the parents have. So if your parents, say, um, smoked a lot, then you are someone who is at risk for smoking a lot because you that's what you've been modeled as a kid. And so it has less to do with uh, with lung cancer being genetic and more to do with the fact that you've picked up your parents' habits. Mm. And that goes across the board for pretty much everything. So this is um, this is really great news. Uh, next time you hear someone say, oh, it's, in my, it's just bad genes, it's pretty much nonsense they're discovering. Like it's absolutely nonsense, which is really great. And, uh, and they've also uh, at the same time managed to put out a, a, uh, a link study where they discovered that people over 70 who walk just an extra 500 steps a day lower the risk of heart failure or stroke by 14%. Mm. So while they were measuring, like, you know, the, the physical activity versus sedentary lifestyle, they discovered that, you know, honestly, sometimes it's just an extra 500 steps, which is really not that much. No, no, that's doable. That's so doable. They say that 10,000 steps a day is, you know, your sweet spot. Solid. However, they are finding out that it's not just, you know, sort of steps you know, do without thinking. They say intentional steps have a different effect on the body as just coincidental steps. So if you're just like walking around the office, you know, going to meetings or you're at Woolies, you know, buying your groceries, they're different than the steps you might take when you go for a purpose, purposeful walk around the block or on the treadmill or go to the gym. So different steps have different effects, which I think is true because sometimes when I go like on a big day out with the girls and we go like shopping or to a show or something and I get like a mega amount of steps on my, on my clock, on my, on my on my Fitbit, I don't I don't feel like I've worked out. But if I go to the gym and I get on the treadmill for an hour and I do like a bunch of steps that way, and even it might be less, I I, I feel different in my body. So definitely, different steps make different. Um, yeah, well, probably the intensity is different as well. Right. Know, work, yeah. Walking faster or longer or you know all that. Yeah, and when you're strolling around the shops, you're distracted and you stop and you go and you stop and you go. And you, I don't feel like you can get your heart rate up for long enough and then maintain that. Yeah, you know, I really like what you're sharing here because um, I've heard the saying, "Sitting is the new smoking." It is. You know, it's 100%. the sedentary lifestyle is really damaging to it's us. The biggest we need killer. to get out and move and get active, yeah. and all of these things are. Great for our health. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And especially in this day and age with the digital uh, revolution that's happened in the oh, last, yeah. you know, 10, 20 years. And so much, of, so many of us, our work now revolves around sitting and looking at a screen. So, yeah, so this is great. So they did a study on the sinusitis and just found just literally just adding 500 steps a day lowered their risk of heart failure or stroke by 14. That's 14% awesome. is a huge margin uh, when it comes to lowering your risk. So, hey, 
Little message coming out from Faith FM this morning. Get outside, go for a walk, take genetics into control, get that stuff in your hand. Uh, you can definitely get control of it. It's not something that you're just subjected to willy-nilly. And praise the Lord for that. That is really good news. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. What number am I? Clue number two. Jesus said that he could have called this many legions of angels to deliver him. Mmm, really great clue, that one. What number am I? Jesus said he could have called this many legions of angels to deliver him. If you think you know the answer, you can give us a text or a call, 0491064669. If you want to play along, you can just uh, send in your answers. But if you just want to... um, just play for a pat on the back. You don't actually want to uh, win the prize. You can just put a little asterisk next to your answer and DJ Shell will know that you're just playing for the glory. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just a test of Bible knowledge, which, you know what, we all need it every now and then. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Blair, what's going on around the world? Look, there is always, as I feel like I say this all the time, but there's always so many things happening. Oh, but it's true, though. It's Yeah, yeah it is. And, um, of course... What I thought we could talk about today is uh, you would have we've, we're all familiar with the uh, attack of Christian schools in Australia over the last twelve or more months. Um, there's been saga after saga um, taking place. You know, from last year's attempts with the Morrison government to introduce religious um, anti-religious discrimination bills and all of these sorts of things, which didn't end up happening. Uh, but the, the latest attempt to resolve the freedoms crisis, religious freedom crisis in Australia, uh, has been the ARLC, the Australian Law Reform Commission report that has been being worked on um, by the Attorney General Mark Dreyfus. And, um, and interestingly, the submissions... Uh, so so th- this report is basically... Um, the government looking at how they can put better protections in place uh, to protect religious institutions, schools, and all of these sorts of things. And um, they extended a time for feedback where schools and churches and institutions could submit information in. Uh, and all of that information was has been submitted now just from last week. And, uh, and interestingly, they were due to give a report. Uh, however, they've extended that report out... Um, to be due by the end of the year. Um, so they've given themselves an extra nine months. Presumably people are suspecting because of the complexity and, and detail that has been given, uh, responded to, and they want to work through, I think there's over 40,000 submissions or something like oh, this, wow. um, uh, which is quite a lot. And basically, um, un- unfortunately, what, what took place in one of the early releases of the ARLC Uh, is that they released the terms of reference, which from a Christian perspective were far too narrow. And um, they basically failed to make provision for schools and for faith-based communities to operate according to their core set of values, their ethos, and all of these sorts of things, Um, which, of course, sets the tone for religious institutions, schools, and all of these um, these places of learning. Uh, and so the argument from the schools was that faith-based organizations, faith-based schools should be allowed to hire staff who share their values, their ethos, just like political parties do, mm, right? You mm-hmm. have, yep. um, you, if you're going to sign up to be a member of a political party, um, you want your values to align. Absolutely. And you can, uh, political parties can discriminate, mm-hmm, so to speak, to mm-hmm. choose to only bring on people who share their political values because it's core to the 
purpose of the institution. That's right, yeah. Um, you wouldn't have a Liberal politician, uh, a Liberal party putting a Labor politician up as their front runner. Yeah, no. Um, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and so this was base, one of the basic arguments of many of the Christian schools. Well, interestingly... Um, uh, some of the submissions have come through, and there's been some really great submissions. Um, there's from a whole bunch of different religious institutions and and faith traditions. Um, the Jew, the Jewish um, submission came through. They said it's fundamental to Judaism that every school maintain the ability to preserve the character of their school by preferencing or restricting enrollment of students per their criteria. So they argued that again, they 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 should have this ability to. Hire staff according to their ethos mm-hmm. to to produce a, a school culture in line with their values. Their um, these private schools are built to offer an alternative to the government schools. Yeah, it's the whole purpose um, of them. It's the whole purpose of them. Uh, and and these um, these uh, proposals of the government to erode those protections um, or and not provide any protection around that is is very problematic. Um, the uh, Islamic submission said religious education organizations should be free to have the rules, policies, and procedures of the ins- educational institute in accordance with the principles of that religion without exception. So they, they were on board. They argued the same. Um, Seventh Adventist put a submission in. They said under the proposed change, religious schools and colleges can no longer apply conduct or speech rules to their staff in the areas of sexual activity or gender identity um, and except for theological colleges training clergy for formal ordination. So they did provide a small little caveat in the ARLC where they said, um, if you're studying to be a a pastor mm-hmm. <laughs> for ordination, then you can have a little bit of protection around this. But for the broader um, school populace, these weren't provided. So the Adventist Church said this is too narrow. It should provide. It should be available to all of yeah. our students, not just those studying theology. Yeah. Um, Presbyterians put a statement through. They said um, the example given in the review of an LGBT student being elected as a school captain. This was one of the the things that was put forth uh, in the review. Um, They said um, if this student were in a same-sex relationship, they wouldn't be able to give appropriate Christian leadership in a Christian school, uh, which requires modeling Christian lifestyle and Mm -hmm. Christian behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, This would also be the case for a student in a sexually active, unmarried, heterosexual relationship. So they're kind of making the point here that, um, yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not just a LGBTQ thing. It's just a Christian lifestyle thing, mm-hmm. um, and and students, school captains, people in leadership, and people in staff positions should uphold the values and ethos of the school that they've chosen to attend. Um, it's a pretty basic argument, really. Yeah. Um, pretty straightforward. It sounds stuff. like common sense to me. It does now. This, of course, shouldn't be hard to get across the line, but um, political activists have been putting a lot of pressure and doing whatever they can to stop this from taking place. And so, um, yeah, there's there's now... The submissions have been in now, and now we're now waiting for about a period of nine months to get the final report. Um, but so far, based on what's been released, it's not looking very promising for Christian schools uh, and for religious institutions. And so... Um, in, in fact, it was, it's so much the case that it's not very promising that several large um, school bodies, two peak bodies, uh, Christian Schools Australian and the Australian Association of Christian Schools actually said they lost faith in the Australian Law Reform Commission, um, which is being run by the Albanese government, and they, they actually have pulled out of it because they said um, basically that um, not once have any of their suggestions been considered 
um, before, and the, the ARLC have basically just gone off on a completely radical tangent, um, never taking into consideration any of the Christian school's comments. And they said, if this is the starting point, we don't have any confidence that we're going to end up with a sensible or balanced proposal. Ugh. So things are interesting. Um, there's always, a, a, you know... It's the, really devastating. We definitely need to pray for this. We absolutely do. And um, and this is something that will continue to show up in the news cycles. Um, you know, this whole... Uh, the, the LGBT political activists, um, the schools are the front ground for a lot of this... Um, a lot of the debate over these topics uh, and with many of the government schools um, encouraging these sorts of um, teachings around... Um, gender fluidity and other things and 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 the private schools the christian schools and other religious faith schools are really the last frontier where this this um agenda hasn't been taught aggressively in schools to young children Mm -hmm. and so um i think i think this is uh being the last frontier this is one of perhaps one of the reasons why the christian schools is the hot um battleground at the moment for these issues do you know what i was thinking about yesterday i was like, you know, because I spend quite a bit of time on social media, and I've noticed just in the past twelve months, there's been less uh, interest in supporting the LGBTQ uh, movement. This whole gender fluidity thing that's been, you know, coming out in the last few years, it's almost as if like, you know, people are feeling more brave again to say, "Oh no, I don't really agree with that." Where before, you know, you, you were scared you were going to get cancelled. And I, I feel like when that stuff first started coming out, they were all like reassuring us that they would never come for our kids. Or, we were not going to teach that kind of stuff to your kids. And now that like the adults are sort of done with it, I feel like the the fight is hottest over the kids. I've been in bookstores lately and I'm always aghast when I go to the kids section and it's like how to dress up in drag for kids, how to be a transvestite mm-hmm. for kids, you know, and just directed like, directly at exactly what they said they wouldn't do. I think it's, I think this has really exposed them for what they really wanted to do, and that was to get to the kids. Yeah, so interesting headlines and something to continue to keep praying for and following and to get active in, um, in being involved and sharing Christian values. Absolutely. And if you have kids, definitely need to teach them at home because they're not going to get taught at school. That's Absolutely. what it's going to be. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. I'm going to give you the third clue for our quiz. Do you know what? I just realized I haven't got the iPad switched on and I don't know if anyone's been messaging in correct answers. I'm sure, do you know, we have so many clever listeners, Blair. I'm sure that a lot of people have gotten this right already. But in case you haven't, here is the third clue for our quiz. What number am I? Ishmael had this many sons. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we're going to be spinning the wheel later on in the show, um, maybe in about an hour's time, I think. And uh, and if you can still get one answer incorrect, you can be in the running. And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes you just need one answer. I know people play this all week long and they get in for that final spin, uh, but sometimes you just need one answer. So as the answers get easier, the value of your cl- uh, answers get less. So the first clue was worth 500 and the next one 400. We're now up to the 300. And, of course, the higher the value, the better your chances are at getting in with that big win. So uh, give us a text or a call, 0491-064-669, and tell us uh, what number am I, how many sons did Ishmael have? And uh, and hopefully later, when I figured out how to work this iPad, I'll be able to tell you who's been getting it right and who's been getting it wrong. But, hey, we have an interview this morning, and I'm very excited about this. Uh, Rod Bailey, you there? You're with us. I am. 
How are you this morning, Rod? Oh, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And how does your um, garden grow? Oh, this time of year, um, just just wonderfully. April's actually my favourite month of the year. Really? Um, absolutely. Autumn finally arrives, mild temperatures, rainfall backs off where I am on the mid-north coast. Um, you know, everything goes at a slower pace. Pests and weed pressure eases, summer crops are slowing down. It's just a brilliant time of year. I feel like it's a whole world that I just don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> so is something is like is it is now the time of year when something's blooming in your garden like is there something to harvest okay so traditionally autumn is like harvest time you know oh. you think of those autumn festivals with pumpkins yeah. everywhere mm-hmm. and, and all that sort of stuff um for me it's a little bit different because because we're planting crops every week and so we're harvesting different crops every oh. week wow um but, yeah, this time of year, the summer crops are slowing down, so we're still harvesting things like tomatoes and zucchinis and capsicums and eggplants and and um, cucumbers and stuff like that, yeah. Um, but, but this time of year also is a real transition time. So, um, you know, we're cleaning up after a busy summer. You know, like every good party, there's a clean-up time. So <laughs> summer is kind of like party time. Now we're... We're cleaning up and um, removing those summer crops that love the heat of summer, and then we're planting winter crops that do well in the cooler part of year. So it's it's a relaxed but a very busy time as well. Is that your recommendation for for gardeners now is to start planting their winter crops, clean up, clean up, and start planting winter stuff? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's time to um, take advantage of what we call the autumn flush. So everyone's familiar with the spring flush as temperature temperatures increase and daylight day length increases. You know everything just seems to boom. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's also a, 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 an autumn flush when the temperatures etc. Um, moderate and those plants that have just been doing okay during summer, but it's like breathing time. You know, a, a time of oh. Oh man, this is so much nicer, and so everything really takes off, and mm-hmm. so it's really time to plant um, those winter crops now, so they can really get going um, before the daylight hours get too short to power good growth rates. So um, for us, it's kind of like we're in the middle of planting a lot of lettuce, um, carrots, spinach. Oh. I'll just try to go through the list yeah. of what we're planting at the moment: um, peas. Silver beet, chard, um, all the different kales, um, beetroot, rocket, spring onions, leeks. Um, uh, we're planting herbs at the moment like coriander and parsley, um, radish, uh, choys like bok choy and pak choy, tatsoi, etc. Um, Chinese cabbage. Yeah, all of the brassica family like Yum. broccoli. Cabbage, cauliflower. It's not cold enough here for Brussels sprouts, so we don't bother. But um, and another one really to get onto this time of year is garlic. Um, it's it's getting a bit late for garlic, but not too late. So yeah, throw some garlic in and put some good mulch over it. And yeah, so garlic yeah. has pretty flowers, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. You won't see those into spring until oh, okay. um, late spring, early summer. But yeah, it does. Garlic scapes are beautiful to eat as well as to look at. Oh, the garlic flowers are edible as well? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I didn't um, know that. Do they taste like the garlic bulb? 
they do. They're, they're a lot milder, but okay. um, and they're sweet because oh. you know there's nectar in the flowers. Uh, just beautiful as a garnish. Yeah. Wow. Hey, look, Rod. I don't know if I spoke to you about this last time we, we chatted, but um, I have like a little patch, a little dirt patch out the back of the op shop where I work, and I've been trying to trying to make things grow. And I just, I, I'm like, I'm a cursed gardener. <laughs> I just kill everything I come in contact with. And I had brown thumbs. Yeah, it's brown thumbs, black thumbs, the black plague thumbs. But I had multiple attempts at making stuff grow. It didn't really work. Some stuff has finally come up. And yesterday I was out the back looking at it, and it, like it is on the precipice, on the very brink of opening his little flower heads so that I can hopefully de- find out whether or not it's a flower or a weed because I've got no idea how to tell the difference. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I'm on the, I'm about to just rip the whole thing out and pave it <laughs> and put down some donation bins so people can make donations. But you- <laughs> uh, look, look, I, I can, I can understand. Um, uh I can understand why you, you're thinking that um, because what you're starved for is a bit of success. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thanks, Rod. And, and uh, you know, That's no. That's a nice way of saying are. you're uh, really bad at gardening. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, look, Blair, we could, we could look at it from a different perspective. <laughs> um, you know, and and maybe maybe it comes from how how you um, psychologically abuse that patch straight off, in the in the sense that you called it dirt. Yes. Um, dirt. Yeah, it's not dirt. It's soil. It's a, um, my bad. My bad. Soil. And, and if if you looked at it as a an amazing living, um, biologically rich, and maybe okay. it's not, and maybe that's why the plants are struggling. Are you saying um, I need an attitude change? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that might be a good place to start, but then also it might be might be just. Um, you, we get discouraged when we don't have success and mm-hmm. often success comes because we don't have either experience or knowledge or skill that comes from that experience. And so maybe, you know, when we talk each month here, um, maybe I can, maybe I can coach you through, um, you know, turn, turning that patch of dirt into a wonderfully abundant, rich garden that everyone that comes to the op shop just says, wow, look at that. That, that's the plan. That? that would be amazing. Unless I pave it, unless I pave it, <laughs> you can no, definitely coach me through it. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I will tell you though. Yesterday, yesterday I hit a um, another landmark of aging. I was. I have one single indoor plant that I haven't killed yet. As soon as I start to kill them, I rehome them to my friend's place. I'm like to DJ Shell. She she adopts all my half dead plants, but I have one left that hasn't died yet. His name's Pedro, but I reached oh. a, yeah I reached another aging landmark because I found myself talking to him. Oh wow! So Pedro, what is Pedro? Pedro Are we is a fig pe- tree. Uh, he he he's a, pe- uh, a rubber plant. And he's quite oh. tall. He's tall and very handsome. And so I wasn't just talking to myself and he was listening in. I was actually addressing him and telling him what a good boy he was and how handsome he was. And then I realized I'd gotten really old. Yeah, wow. But that's supposed to help, right, Rod? Talking to your plants. I'm pretty sure there's science behind it. Playing these. them classical music, you know? Yeah, I don't know about the singing. Exactly, exactly. You know, you're in pretty good company. I, I talk to my plants. Yes. I talk. I talk to my blue wrens, I talk to Jackie Winters and my magpies and all the other critters that that I share the garden with. So, no, 
maybe this is one mad person talking to another, but <laughs> no, I don't. I'm so glad. <laughs> hey, what other uh, winter tips are there? Um, well, winter. So, um, cool it. You know, I just gave that list of 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 plants that we're growing at the moment mm. in cooler places it's a bit late for some of those as everything starts to hunker down for winter i'm thinking of my friends that live down in the in the snowies or next to the snowies my my sister and my friend justin live near batlow and tombarumba and things are just really cold down there whereas mm. up north up north, people are just planting tomatoes, and they tell me winter growing in Bundaberg is glorious. But hey, no, look, really, this time we're we're planting things for winter. We're cleaning up. We're prepping beds. Um, it's it's <clears throat> maybe we're preparing to plant a winter cover crop that will knock over and incorporate into the soil in July or August. You know, something like millet or oats and lupins, field peas in mild. That's probably it'd be a great place to start in your little garden. Is okay. to actually put a, a cover crop in there that you can throw a bit of water at every now and then and it'll it'll just all grow a whole heap of you know bulk organic matter that then you can incorporate into your into your dirt i mean and turn it into <laughs> oh yeah um, yeah so really now's the time to start preparing for spring um you know it's 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 so we're not you know, if we want to expand our growing area or start a new garden, now's the time to think about it so that we're not caught out in the busy rush of early spring. So yeah, yeah. Um, now's, now the soil biology slows down this time of year, but it's a fantastic time to get compost into there, to fertilise it so all the biology can, you know, in, in, turn, turn the fertiliser in, into the nutrients that the plants can then then take up as they take off in spring. Yeah, so can I actually um, ask you a specific question about my patch? Um, so I, I don't know that I've killed it completely. I was wondering that this was a problem. But what I did write, I, my first attempt, I had to clean it up because it was just so people like used it as a litter patch. And then I went yep. and got um, bags of soil, like the seed and seedling mix or something, I don't know, from Bunnings, and I yep. covered it with that. And then I planted all my little seeds and then I fertilized them, which is where I went wrong because I purchased uh, this fertilizer. I did not read the instructions. I just um, poured it onto the onto the ground and then afterwards read that I was supposed to have diluted it one to four and used it over a surface area of 160 square meters and I poured it neat <laughs> onto eight square meters. Um <laughs> So eight to 160 is really bad. But um, so my mum says I, I burnt all the seeds before they even had a chance to germinate. But I, have I now ruined the soil? Like is nothing going to grow there because I've just scalded it with, with like harsh fertiliser? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, the, but the, the challenge is is to, to find – and this is where maybe this green manure crop concept might come in. It's, it's to find crops that have – a tolerance to a broad range of growing conditions okay. from, you know, obviously you've, you've, <laughs> you've built things with, with well-intentioned love, but <laughs> ignorant love, but, ab <laughs> but ab absolutely not. So it, it's time to. It's salvageable. Yeah. Sorry. So you're saying it's salvageable. <laughs> uh, look, look, I'm not there. Um, I'm, I'm not looking at, at it, but I would say um, pretty well every – look, there are people that have success growing gardens in beach sand, all right? Oh, wow. 
really hard work all the way through to people to have success in growing in really heavy clay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're somewhere in the middle of that, and so I'm sure that that you can have a, a modicum of success. Um, okay. Yeah, with with a bit of work and a bit of patience and a, a bit of applied knowledge. We're going to see this patch of soil you can, rejuvenated. You can check it out on my Instagram. I have like a whole story and my highlights. You can follow along. But the next thing I did wrong, I just want one more little question was the next time. I, so I abandoned it for a few weeks and then I decided to have another go. So I put another layer of soil. I got some more dirt and put that on top of the, the poison dirt, so to speak. And then I planted the seeds again. And, um, and uh, my friend, she was following along on my Insta story and she said, oh, just put one packet of seeds. That's like enough for that surface area. And I... It was too late because I had planted 24 packets of seeds at that point. So I'm just wondering, like, is this is this soil, is, is the next layer of soil also, like, beyond repair? Like, do I have to dig the so- seeds out now? Is, like, nothing ever going to grow there because it's choked? Like, help me. I, 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 re- I really doubt it. Um, uh, the, 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 what, what, okay, so let's let's take a step back. Um, this, the soil that you step, that, that you buy from from um, landscape supplies like Bunnings in bags, one of the things they need to do is to um, uh, pretty well kill everything that's in it. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, seed raising mix and um, potting mix and stuff like that, they they are treated, steam treated, etc., so that it kills most of, the, if not all, of the biological life in it. And it's it's the this is the difference between dirt as you characterized it and mm-hmm. soil mm-hmm. that the dirt is a is a physical thing that's made up of minerals and particles of clay and sand and you know etc cetera, etc cetera, okay mm-hmm. whereas whereas soil is a is a living thing you know it's it's full of billions and trillions of microorganisms and that is what makes dirt into soil and that's what makes soil a a, a fun, happy, growing place for plants. Okay. And so I think the first thing, the the, the biggest challenge for your little so, your, your little garden patch is to get it living. Okay. Okay. And, and those living organisms in the soil powerfully buffer the mistakes that we make, like it sounds like you've made. So it's the biology in the soil that will lock up excess nutrients and put it in the fridge or the pantry, if you like, to be released into, released to the, to the plants at a later time when they need it. At the moment, it, it may still have toxic nutrient values, but the biology will actually Take that into, you know, lock it up if you like, so it's not too hot for the plants anymore. And then later on, um, as, as, you know, the, the soil nutrient levels uh, change, the biology will actually release it uh, for your plants. So I think that's the place to start. And like I said, the fantastic place to start is growing some green manures there, um, that will, will take advantage of the nutrients that are there. They will make it a, a, a um, a non-hostile place for biology. And over a period of time, it'll pre- turn your dirt, your toxic dirt, into wonderful soil that, that your flowers and your veggies or whatever you're going to grow in there will be happy to be and will thrive. And 
give you that success that you're craving. Oh, thank you so much. That is such good news. Hey, we'll chat to you again next month and I'll give you an update on what's going with the patch. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.